Luke, the tenth chapter, beginning to read at the twenty-fifth verse. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered right, do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend I will repay you when I come back. Which of these do you think proved neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, The one who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Amen. This is a story not just about a mugging on the Jerusalem-Jericho turnpike, but more than that, it's a story about church-going people, people like us. People who make mistakes, but who really try to do good most of the time. People who claim salvation and who realize that they are saved to do good. People who do a lot of talking and praying about goodness and mercy and justice. People who who have the resources for doing good, people who are looked upon by their peers and contemporaries as individuals who can do good. But people like us who so often, when given the opportunity to do good, pass by on the other side. I don't think I have yet read this parable when I have not interpreted it much as did the attorney who heard it for the first time. And I see myself as one of those religious people professing goodness passing by on the other side. 
I identify myself with that priest, the Reverend Mr. Clergy. Talks about goodness, knows how to be good, but sometimes, when given the opportunity, finds his goodness inactive. And I'm sure many of you, as you should, identify with the Levite, who after all is nothing more than an individual who in Old Testament times would be compared to today's elder, deacon, trustee, choir member, usher, Sunday school teacher, anybody who works and worships in the Church of Jesus Christ. Church people, preachers, and laymen who know about goodness, who worship the good Lord, but who sometimes practice what I call passive goodness. No pun intended, and please forgive it, but goodness that is passive is really just goodness that passes by on the other side. Passive goodness is goodness that looks good, sounds good, looks like it's going to happen any minute, but never really gets off the ground, never becomes active goodness. Jesus knew what passive goodness was and oh, he despised it and that's really why he picked so hard upon the, the Pharisees. What did he call them? Whitewashed tombs, hypocrites, play actors, people who had goodness but who didn't exercise it. You know, Jesus, he, he came down so hard on those religious people, those church-going people, because it was his conviction that the greatest hindrance to religion is not that individual who is actively bad, but rather that individual who is passively good, who has all the tools and the resources, but doesn't produce. If Christianity wanes, ladies and gentlemen, if it begins to grow soft, if it begins to lose its effectiveness and power, let's not blame the communists. Let's not blame any one of the isms like secularism, materialism, atheism. No, no. If we deteriorate, it will be from within and because individuals like us we will be practicing passive goodness. It was Edmund Burke who said it, all that is needed for the forces of evil to win in our day is for enough good people to do nothing. Let me repeat that. All that it is necessary for the forces of evil today to win is for enough good people to do nothing. And he's right, you know. I don't care who it is or what it is, but if you want to wreck somebody or something, the best thing you can do is nothing. That beautiful lawn or garden that you've been working so hard in, if you want it to go to pot, you don't have to sow weeds, you don't have to dig or plow furrows. All you have to do is nothing. If you want to ruin a church, 
You don't have to slander the pastor or some other person in the congregation. You don't have to throw bricks. All you have to do is nothing. If you want to wreck the life of a young child in his formative years, you, you don't have to teach him how to lie or how to cheat or how to stay home on Sunday morning and enjoy bed. You don't have to tie him up so he doesn't want to come to Sunday school. Just do nothing. You'll ruin him. If you want to see America become something other than the land of the free and the home of the brave, in these very perilous days in which we are living, do nothing. Do nothing. Now we all know this, that all we have to do is for the forces of evil to survive in our day is nothing. We know that. But why is it that we, who claim to be saved and saved to do good, why is it that we are so passive in expression, expressing our goodness? Why? That's the big question. Some individuals will answer it by saying, because the people really don't care, or they don't care enough. I don't believe that. I believe you care as much as I do. Otherwise, I don't think we'd be here today. I think church people do care. But you see, caring is not enough. We have all types of evidences that we are concerned. Yes, any, any group of people who are as low as we are this morning, can you feel it? I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the mysterious disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa that we're, we're wondering about what's going to happen. I think more it's the decline of the Pirates or the defeat of the Steelers, really. I think that's what got us down. Maybe it's the first anniversary of Watergate. I, I, I don't know. But for some reason or another, we're concerned that that's all the further it goes. Caring is not enough to produce goodness. I think those religious people, both, both the priest and the Levite, well, they felt sorry for that poor man by the wayside who had been beaten and robbed. Oh, yes. They wished they could have helped. I wouldn't be a bit surprised that night in their prayers. They prayed for that man. Yeah. And I'm sure that whenever they traveled that road again, they, they inquired as to what happened to that man we saw lying in the ditch. Now, don't get me wrong. As Jesus said, there are some things in this world that can be done only by prayer and fasting. But goodness is not one of them. We can pray for guidance as to how we can express our goodness, but prayer in itself will never make anybody good. Just being concerned and anxious and, and wanting to do something, that doesn't do it. No. We do care. But caring never made goodness. I think some people are passively good because they're frightened. I think that's what happened here on the Jericho Road, perhaps. At least most Bible scholars think so. I've been on that Jericho Road with some of you, remember, when the day our, our, our bus went lane with a flat tire? It was getting dark. 
It was kind of a frightening experience, wasn't it? Yeah, that's desolate country down there. And they knew that the robbers of those particular day, that particular day was, they were not beyond using decoys. And the Levite, and perhaps the priest as well, they thought, oh, if I go over and look and see, as I'm bending over, maybe two or three others will come and attack me. So for fear, with their goodness, they pass by on the other side. There's another type of fear which might have been expressed there, the fear of reputation, the fear of, of one's job. Yes, the priest. We're in the same kind of a day they were then, too many preachers. Do you people know that there are too many preachers in the world today from the number of churches? Yes, it's like school teachers. They have a lot of preachers that are out of work. That's the way it was in those days, too. They, they had too many preachers, so what they did is they, they divided the preachers and gave each one of them two separate weeks of work during the year. And, and it was only two weeks out of the 52 that a priest went and presided at the temple. And to be able to do so, he had to be ceremonially cleansed. And, and you could not be cleaned if... You could not be cleansed if, if you were an individual who had touched any dead flesh. And, and that particular priest, he, he thought if he went over it and the man was dead, he would be ceremonially unclean. And therefore would not be able to do his job. So for fear of his job, even though he possessed the goodness to act, he, he passed by on the other side. I know people today... have the ability, the power, to do good, but they don't, because we're frightened. Maybe they were too busy. That's always a good excuse. Too busy to do good. See, we're not quite sure, so we can use our imagination. And that's why Jesus tells parables, which are nothing more than earthly stories with a heavenly meaning, so we can use our imagination and put ourselves there. And perhaps, perhaps, the priest and the Levite were just too busy playing church. You see, we don't know if those two were going from Jerusalem down to Jericho, or up to Jericho, or from Jericho... To Jerusalem. We don't know. But let, let's just assume that, that the priest was coming from Jericho going to Jerusalem and he was there to preach a sermon that day and, and, and his sermon was on love. And he had worked hard on that sermon and it was a good sermon and he was going to preach it to good people and if good people were going to hear that good sermon, he couldn't take time to be good on the way. He was too busy. Now let's take the, the layman. Maybe he'd been up at uh, up Jerusalem. Maybe he'd been at a church meeting where all afternoon they had been discussing what they could do to be sensitive to the needs of other people and how they could help individuals who were in trouble. And the meeting had gone too long and he already was late for dinner and he had to get home so he didn't have time. He was too busy to practice goodness. You know, you can get too busy around the church sometime. Too busy worshiping, studying, 
working, preaching, <laughs> that you forget what it's all about, why we're here. It can happen to anybody. Maybe they were too busy. Or maybe like so many people, they thought expressing goodness that day was none of their business. No, no. Maybe both of them thought uh, we pay taxes. The government has the responsibility of patrolling and taking care of this world. This road, let them send their ambulance. Or maybe they thought as some people do even today. Look, I gave a contribution to the Jerusalem Jericho Volunteer Helping Society. Let them come out. That's what I give for. It's their job. Huh? It's a good thing the Samaritan. Yes, that no good, dirty Samaritan. It's a good thing he didn't think that way. The man might have died. No. All week I wrestled with this idea as to why do we become people who instead of are actively good, we're so often passively good. Why? I believe the Spirit of God has led me to only one answer. Maybe you have some other, but to me at the present time, it's because we forget. We forget who we are and what we're to do. I really think that sometimes in our concerns and in our busyness and in our trying to find excuses as to whose job this really is. Sometimes in our great misunderstanding of trying to be a part of the living church, we forget. We forget that we have been saved by a God through Jesus Christ for the purpose of doing good. We have been saved to bring help to this world. We have been brought into the community of the good people on earth, not by any effort of our own, but simply by the grace of God, for the simple reason of letting our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. This sermon may not be very good, ladies and gentlemen, but it has one purpose in mind. To remind the priests who are present and the Levites who are here to remember who we are. That religious group they didn't rob that individual traveling the turnpike of his money, but they did him much harm. They robbed him of more than money. They robbed him of an understanding of the goodness of God and the goodness of his fellow man. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if that individual in the story of Jesus never entered a church again, never had any appreciation for God's people. 
and never knew the goodness of this life except as it was expressed through a non-church-going, unorthodox, dirty, half-breed Samaritan. And just to remind you, that's why we preach this sermon, to remind you that as we leave here now and go out and travel our Jericho roads, there are people out there, people who are looking at and looking for us to do good. And if we fail them, we fail our God. All this world needs for the forces of evil to win today is for enough of us who are good people to do nothing. May God continue to bless you as you travel your Jericho road. Amen. <coughs> Father, you've blessed us mightily. You've given us so much. You've never passed us by with your love. We learn from the psalmist that goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives and that we shall dwell in the house of the Lord. We who are in the house of the Lord today, please, Father, help us to remember that we are here to do good. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.